Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello, I'm Jane Sparrow, author and founder at The Culture Builders, and I'm delighted today to have a very special guest with us on our podcast, Libby Townsend, who is an incredible chief people officer, but even more than that, one of the most outstanding leaders that I've ever had the pleasure to work with. She's currently at OVO, and before that has had a career in many organisations, and we'll hear more about that in a moment, because she'll be bringing all of that experience and inspiration to us today. So Libby, thank you so much for taking some time out to join us. Well, thank you. What an intro. And um, I hope I live up to all of those amazing things you've just said. Well, you have so far in our time together. So I'm going to hope that you will today too. I'm sure you will. <laughs> but, thank but you for having me. You, you've had an incredible career so far and, and of course still so much ahead. And what I want to tap into today is more around the lessons you've learned around culture, around leadership, and, and particularly in environments that, that have got that real kind of challenger and entrepreneurial mentality. So we're going to tap into all of that and, of course, ask you for your predictions around what's going to be really important for 2021 as we head out of a remarkable year this year and into the next year. But, but just start off telling everybody maybe a little bit about a, a quick history around your journey and your career, if you would. Yeah, sure. Yeah, a brief plotted history. Well, Certainly, it's people um, and what pe- makes people tick has been um, something that's driven me uh, for my entire career. And you know, working out what what people's motivations are and um, and how that affects their behaviour and then their impact on um, others and um, you know both individuals and and, and collectively um, businesses. Um, it's been something that I've just really um, been interested in, and I specialised pretty early in my career. Um, I had a dad who was um, an HR director at the time who um, asked the right questions at the right time to get me focused on probably what it is that I wanted to do. Um, he, he, he was pretty pretty special in terms of how he did that, very good influencing skills. Um, so I, I learned from the best. Um, and so he sort of pointed me in the right direction to go to a, a university that already had your CIPD qualification, save some time. Um, uh, and so I, I did I did just that. I went I went to university. I did a, a people uh, personnel degree, as it was called back in the day. But it was great. And, uh, you know, it's given me a, an amazing platform and career today. I varied sort of generalist HR career, I would say, across you know, quite a few different industries, which I mean, I love variety and I love learning. So, you know, I've had, I've been in uh, the train industry and sort of cut my teeth on unionized um, organizations. I've been, I've worked for telecommunications and, and latterly banking and energy. And, you know, one of the main things that I would say from my career has been really focused around organizational cultures and you know, what makes some organisations uh, so magnetic, you know, and what are the magic ingredients that really goes into uh, the cultures that helps a business scale and, and keep hold of everything, all of that authentic 
what am I looking for? The, the authenticity of, of what makes that culture uh, amazing. How do people scale that? And so that's really what I've been looking for throughout my career is organizations with one big purpose and two sort of really care about creating some progressive people experiences. So I love your phrase about why organizations or why some organizations are so magnetic, Libby. That's a, a lovely phrase. And, and what is your, your current conclusion about what does make organizations so magnetic? I think, you know, uh, as I've said, just at the end there, you know, big, having big purpose, and just being really clear about what it is that the organization sets out to do. And it's got to be bigger than, you know, making profit, (laughs) clearly. Mm. And and it's got to be compelling. People want a reason to believe. And people want to be able to get out of bed and and really feel like they're they're driving something with meaningful purpose. So you know that that that's one of the big things, and that I think if organisations that set those big purposes out very clearly and and are able to relate that purpose all the way down to every single role, you know, is what I think creates this magnetic kind of culture. It, it's about you know getting bright people uh, being uh, obsessed around talent and making sure that you know your places your your organizational culture is a is one where talent can thrive I think people you know really want to work with other like-minded bright people with innovative ideas um, and and that stuff you just can't buy but I, I have worked in some organizations like Virgin for example I did a stint at Virgin Mobile and I remember I, I was going to their annual general conference, which sounds very formal. And I thought, <laughs> okay, like, I hadn't started at Virgin at this point in time. But so I, I took my notepad, I've got my, my pen, I've got you know, everything that I could need to make some, you know, really, um, <laughs> really thorough notes so that I, you know, when I when I started the organization, I, I, I would have a head start and I wouldn't miss a trick. But I, <laughs> I was driven, I was driven to this field. There are these massive marquees and there's this samba band playing. And, you know, I go into this tent and there's this, like, it's like a Brazilian carnival. And there's Patrick Keelty at the beginning at, 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 on, on the stage, sort of welcoming everybody and do it, doing the AGM as a chat show. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is this is not what I expected. <laughs> but I mean, that that's just an example of, you know, a magnetic culture. But it's, you know, it was work hard, play hard. That was that was kind of the, the strap line, the theme to the virgin culture. And boy, did they see that through in everything they did. You know, uh, no longer was there any boring AGMs where you had to take notes. It, it was it was a party. It was, you know, it was something that everyone could get involved in. And I just love I love organizations like that. It's funny you say that. And, and it's such a visual experience just listening to you talking about that example because you can almost see or or I'm sure most people listening did just as I did then which is see exactly what that might have seemed like felt like and almost a whole full sensory experience that just tells you so much about that culture doesn't it and actually it took me back to a few years ago when I went to present at an event and did a keynote and I turned up expecting you know the usual setup and instead there was a large marquee and several yurts and and yeah. I ran my session in a yurt and I have to say it's probably the, one of the best things I did and and the, the recovery breaks in between 
between all of the speakers and the workshops were doing things like putting a wetsuit on and going lake swimming and canoeing. Oh, and it that. was just fantastic. But again, so it tells you so much about a culture and, and what they want people to experience. So, so I love that story. And it was completely alien to me. You know, before Virgin, I had, you know, worked in the train industry, as I'd said, which was completely different. I loved it, but completely different. And it was just such a... It was such a, an experience and I, I learned a lot from Virgin on how work can actually be fun. You know, <laughs> we can we can actually all get on and do some meaningful work, but at the same time, not take ourselves too seriously. So I've, I've always loved um, my experience at Virgin. And, and isn't that fascinating? Because that is so important, especially as we record this right now, that we see the joy in yeah. what we do, because yeah. it's such a big part of our lives that if it's if it's a Monday morning when we're dreading the day ahead, then that really isn't great. And if we're working for an organisation, as you say, that doesn't have that purpose, if we're not leading an organisation or a team with that purpose, it is very tricky. And, and it's interesting because... I'm going to come on to Ovo in a minute and your experience there, which is obviously where where we have worked together. But that yeah. clearly has a, an amazing purpose. And I'll get you to talk about that in a moment. But but there are those organisations where they don't have a purpose from the beginning, aren't there? I mean, certainly we'll often work with groups that have either lost their way or, or mm. aren't really sure what their purpose is. And and so rather than starting off with a really clear purpose that 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 is continued, perhaps they started that way, but it's kind of got lost on, on the way. And I'm just wondering... What, what you've seen in terms of what's worked in your experience where perhaps the purpose has got a little bit, um, not extinct, but isn't quite as visible, because obviously what you've just experienced and, and talked about is where it's very much front and centre. I think it's difficult, isn't it, to retrofit purpose? It, it is a difficult process. And one thing I will just say before I kind of go into any more examples is that actually even in organisations that may not have a big purpose, at a team, even at a team level, you know, if you've got some really interested and amazing leaders, you can create team purpose. Yeah. Um, and that's really authentic. And that can be co-created with every individual that's pulling together to achieve great things co- uh, collaboratively. You know, so, I, you know, I've seen it work on a micro scale, not just a macro scale. Clearly, I'm I'm like a bit of a magpie when it comes to these magnetic big cultures um because i just think the power is so great but you know it, they, they can it can be you know it's something that every leader every people manager can can you know curate within their own mini team um and i think and you know and other people can learn from within the organization so i think it's important to sort of you can start small. You don't have to start at an organisational scale. I couldn't agree more. And actually, Libby, isn't it important right now as well for, for that to be critical for teams to see their purpose and, and see their mini vision, even if they haven't got a big vision that they can really connect to right now? Because perhaps that's changing. But it's about the whole thing, isn't it, about controlling the controllables. And, and actually what we can control is setting our own purpose and, and vision for the short term. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, and like you say, I mean, we are we have had an extraordinary year. And uh, for those organisations that that have got purpose and, you know, they've got very sophisticated internal comms channels. I mean, a bit like over really, you know, we've worked really hard, but we've got a great internal comms team that are always pumping out the right messages, the why. You know, we have lots of different initiatives that are keeping people going um, at this time. But yeah, I don't think it cuts through half as well. It's not as as, as powerful as as it can be just through peer to peer conversations and 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 the relationship with your manager. I think 
in this virtual world that that's become even more critical than ever. Um, and, you know, that's certainly something that, you know, my, a lesson learned from me as well is, is kind of d develop your people leaders from the start. That, that's, you know, and get them, you know, be really deliberate about who you put in these roles because I think it's really exposed everyone in 2020 that, you know, leading virtually, you've got to multiply your, your people skills more than ever. Yes, haven't you just? Because people just need to feel valued, don't they? And that's a core part of being a, a people leader, a people manager, or even a colleague. I mean, the number of conversations I've had with people either in coaching or in workshops where we talk about the fundamental human need to feel valued. And yeah. if we're not feeling valued, if we're not feeling we matter right now, then that has huge implications. And actually, it doesn't matter whether you've got a great purpose as an organization or as a team. If you don't feel valued and you don't feel you matter, then then you know all bets are off. So I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Now you Libby, you started to talk there about lessons learned in, in in your career so far, working with some incredible brands and some incredible people, as you say, you know, people are what makes organizations so amazing. What are the other lessons you've learned as as a leader as well as a, a, a chief people officer over the last few years? Uh, for, <laughs> I wish that this was longer, that there have been so many lessons learned, you know, working, you know, in OVO specifically is kind of where, where I've, I've learned most of these lessons, you know, I, I've been with OVO for eight years and sort of seen it grow from 90 to now we're sort of a 5,000 person strong organisation. So, you know, that there's been a lot of lessons along the way. You know, yeah, the people leadership one is is key for me, as I've said before, you know, getting getting the right people that are able to kind of be your cultural ambassadors from the start that have been handpicked. You kind of know what the good blueprint of a, of a people leader for your organization is early on and, 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 and developing those folks will just be able, you'll be able to amplify everything that you need from a culture perspective by getting those folks on the right page. Um, you know, really being purposeful and, and deliberate around what makes your culture your culture. I think, you know, we you can get embroiled in the day-to-day -day, uh, deliverables, but without really meaning and purpose. So, you know, what what is it that you want to hold tight as your as your business grows? What is it that's unique about your culture that you're proud of? Um, and, you know, I think you have to work tirelessly to sort of articulate this vision and purpose and you weave that into the day to day. But it's the, it's the thing that, you know, it's the North Star. It's the thing that we can all galvanize behind. And, and, and I think, you know, getting that right from, from the outset is key. And, 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 you know, as that evolves as well as you grow and scale, be clear about why is, why is it changing and why is that important? that the you know i can't express enough you know the, the the why and you know there's there's some it's boring but really really important stuff which is you know define what the processes are that you need to have in place before your business actually goes through the craze of need uh, crazy growth stage of needing it you know nailing those <laughs> early on so you know having a really slick hiring and onboarding process and a clear goal setting um process uh, how how do you want performance discussions to happen? You know, how does talent mobility happen within your organization? Just being really clear on those key sort of golden processes, really, that will will help um, you scale um, brilliantly as, as, as you go. Another one I would say, which I've learned the lesson of is um, get your deputies in place early on. And this is me as a leader 
speaking as a leader, you know, if you don't have the people that you can delegate to, it's really difficult to be in the weeds and also sort of in the in the in the that sort of blue sky thinking space as well. Um, and and having reliable people that can just you know help help see your vision come to life is is just invaluable. That's such a critical point, isn't it? Because I work with so many leaders who find that tricky. They know they need to do it, but they'll hire great people, but then still want to be there in the weeds. And and then yet another CEO I was talking to recently said to me, Jane, you know, I just would love more people to spend more time in the STT area. And I said, what's STT? And, and this person said to me, well, it's strategic thinking time. And I laughed <laughs> and I said, yes. I said, I've never heard it expressed like that, but you're right. You know, the, the challenge is that we all know that we need it to think strategically and give ourselves the space to do that. But mm. often the, the short-term gratification comes from being in the weeds. And so if we hire great people, we do need to, to leave them to get on with it and make sure that we provide them what they need and, and create that alignment, which has been a real, real red thread of what you've talked about today so far. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I, I agree. And it's something that I think we we all battle with as sort of stepping up that next level where you're a leader of leaders. It's a really difficult um, and different job, isn't it? And um, yeah, thinking differently, being there to remove their blockers, challenging them healthily, checking in on progress, but not doing. And it, it, it's a very, it's, it's a big, it's a big step up, but it's one that is just so liberating when you get it right. Because all of all of these strategies suddenly play out, and it's it's just so rewarding to do that as a team. You're right, and then you see the others grow, don't you? So you see them not only grow in their roles, but then grow and and go into other roles that you've been a huge part in in them being able to to obtain and and enjoy. So it's as, as you say, hugely rewarding. And I was only saying this morning, actually, to my partner, I was just saying, you know what, the most one of the most rewarding parts of my role at the moment is being a, is spending time with my mentees that I don't work with them side by side anymore. And they've, they've moved on to different organizations, but it's just so rewarding. It's like, you know, it is like sort of um, <laughs> being a parent in very many ways, but just seeing people blossom. It's just it's just the best part of my job completely. It is. And, and actually, that, that makes me think of two things, Libby. And the first is that you see them blossoming but of course when we do this when we help others to to think about things differently and and just give them that encouragement as well as that course correction mm. often i find that people will will come back years later and and you'll bump into them or someone else will say oh i was talking to to so and so the other day and and what really made the difference to them was when you said and they'll tell yeah. you something you said and you think i don't remember saying that but, <laughs> if but, only I could follow my own advice is yes, normal. <laughs> exactly. But but it's you know, I think what's interesting for us is that we we often see the formal kind of blossoming, but it's all yeah. of those informal conversations that are so important that do, if you just happen to say the right thing at the right time, really can resonate, can't it? And I can think like that of people in my career that have been so influential. But when yeah. I think about it, they may not even realise what specifically they did at the right moment that really helped. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting point there for us all to think about, just that every conversation we have with somebody is an opportunity to help them grow. Completely. Yeah, that's lovely. And uh, yeah, you're right. And I think that's exactly what I'm starting to get those rewards back. You know, <laughs> it's just really 
yeah, it is definitely something that gives me lots of energy at the moment, seeing those folks blossom. And it's funny, I've probably connected with them more now in this virtual world than I had before. Well, I was about to say exactly that. That was the second point I was going to make, which is that you see that because you're connected to them still. And I think this is a real strong point to bring out because one of the things I've noticed about you is that you are really good at being intentional about keeping connected to people and giving to them and sharing with them so that you you don't you don't lose that contact not only to see people grow but also to be sharing ideas and best practice and and sort of collating that for yourself and for, for helping others to collate that for themselves and I think that's a really important role of leadership in the future. Mm, it's, it's really interesting that being connected and as you know um, having come and codified um, Ovo's culture with us you know that's one of the the key parts of our cultural source code is is um, you know we're we're a highly connected organisation that works very well um, through our network um, and it's something that you know I it's probably been intuitively in me forever I, I you know I, I I get a lot of energy I'm solar powered and get a lot of energy from others and. And just learning from others, I think it's just super. If you're if you if you're super open, um, and you you know your preferences to work with others to build an amazing, whether it's product or service, I think um, it's just so enriching, uh, and it's something that I you know I'm I'm very passionate about. And and that reminds me of a phrase when you talk about learning from others. One of one of the most influential leaders in my career, working through, has a great phrase, which one of his own values is student forever and Mm. just that he really values that he will always be learning from every single person that he meets and interacts with and and it reminded me of that actually when when you said what you said Libby so so thank you now now listen we could talk for for several days about this and and (laughs) it's our our joint passion but as we look to, to to sort of 2021 and beyond but particularly next year what what do you think are going to be the real sort of things that we're going to need to think about what are going to be the challenges we need to be mindful of and and what we need to feel is important both as cpo in in your role but also just as leaders what 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 do we need to be intentional about in your view as we go into the new year well i guess there there are a few themes out of of 2020 that have sort of highlighted any any cracks in 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 our armor around leadership or, or 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 in like people engagement um but you know there's other themes that we've heard this year uh, you know particularly in the inclusion and diversity space with Black Lives Matter that I think you know we're at this point now where organizations CPOs CEOs leaders need to reflect stand back and reflect about what sort of 2021 do we want we've got this opportunity and we need to be more deliberate in our strategies uh, of things that we're going to really stand for. Um, so I think, you know, lots of organisations are would probably self-report that they're f- further behind on belonging and inclusion and diversity and that we can all do a better job. Well, what does that look like? And unless, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer, unless you're going to put, a, I don't want to say put a number on it, but be really sort of aim high, do the moonshot, you're not going to, get anywhere close to it so can we be a bit braver and and more transparent around what does inclusion and diversity look like for our organizations today and I think I I think it's all healthy if we all feel a bit embarrassed about it Mm. 
and I think we should be sort of bolder uh, and clearer on how we're going to 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 tackle this as, as organizations and, and and leaders and what we stand for so I think you know let, let's have the discussion now and, and let's be bold and, and transparent so that's one area that I think is important um, coming up and to make a stand you know make a, a deliberate stand for another one is obviously around well-being and how how we keep connected so lots of organizations have already gone out with you know this is our new flexible working policy or this is how this is how you, you know we plan to work in the future some people have gone 100 remote some people have made the decision that actually you know they'll go back into offices just as as we were um, pre-2020 some have sort of done a, a mixture in between the two I think it's really difficult and I think it's a difficult one to call because I think Ovo, for example, have made the decision that actually we are a highly connected organization, therefore we will be working, um, you know, we want, but we want to promote choice. That's really important. And so people can kind of work where they want, when they want, but the commitment is that they will come back to one of our Ovo hubs um, at least once a week because we think that that face to face and connection time is going to be important. So, I mean, if organizations are out there at the moment and they haven't kind of made the decision on it, I think it's something that people certainly are looking for um, a way forward and, and where that the organization stands. I think you're totally right. And certainly some of the other organizations we're working with where we're sort of saying, let's plan now for, for the future. What, what we're identifying is that the role of that estate, that that, that those buildings, there's three things that are going to be really important for people moving forward. There's connectivity, as you say, and, and I mean that in terms of connection of human beings rather than technology. That's what we need What we need to do when we're together in, in the buildings is connect with one another. There's collaboration and there's creativity. And those three really do feel like they're, they're the areas that where we do need to come together and in, in a hub or, or whatever it may be termed as on a, on a reasonably regular basis and then perhaps there are other things that we can do when we're not together in the same part of the country or world or piece of real estate. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think you're you're spot on. And it's interesting, you know, you see these big tech giants like Google, you know, who 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 kind of um, created remote working and clearly their technology supports that. But they're, you know, even saying, but we're only, you know, capitalizing on the connections that we've made in the office to get us through this mm. year and we will need to reinvest. So it's just it's nice seeing, you know, the big tech giants admit to some of this stuff because I think I think it's hugely important. And I don't think, you know, I I've never been a massive fan of 100 percent distributed. And I I I'm always very, very interested, you know, in the GitHubs, et cetera, how they manage it and how and how employee sentiment can be be high. But, you know, certainly in organizations such as ours, which has got an, a varying different employee base, you know, we have tech, so software developers, we have people out in the in the field fitting smart meters, we have call center type workers, we have sort of your normal sort of corporate type functions and so we've got varying different people that work for us and it's just one size will never fit all so trying to build in that optionality and flexibility is good but just never forgetting the connection piece it's just too important 
Yeah, and as you say, that's such a big part of well-being, isn't it? If people don't feel connected, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about not feeling valued. If people don't feel connected, then that hugely impacts their well-being. And, and of course, ultimately, as a human, they suffer, but also the productivity in the organisation suffers too. Um, tell us, so give us a couple more of your of your areas that you feel we need to be intentional about for 2021. Well, of course, I will always come back to purpose and vision and being you know, mindful of all of the opportunities to multiply, you know, your effort on 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 reinforcing that vision and purpose. Um, so linking everything back to it effectively. So if you haven't kind of got a good communications plan. Uh, of how and the touch points of how you can amplify those get one <laughs> because it will pay its own rewards um, in in your in overall engagement I think in in the coming year and certainly as leaders I think one thing that I've really found compelling this year uh, uh, over we've kind of 2020s made us get creative which is good mm. I think that's a really positive thing in terms of innovation but as leaders, you know, we've been able to show much more authenticity, uh, much more vulnerability, <laughs> you know, with our, our children coming in on, on Zoom calls. We, it's been this extra layer of, of insight into um, the human side of, of, of your leader, which I think has been really helpful. And we've certainly been working on the power of storytelling and bringing things to life through authentic stories. And it, it's just been so uh, eye-opening and, 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 and uh, impactful. And we've done this on, on a couple of occasions now um, within our town halls, which are our kind of get-togethers, where it's an all-hands meeting, where we've had some of our very senior leaders open up about their mental health, open up about challenges that they've had uh, in their personal life, open up about, you know, how they've overcome some some massive work challenges and career challenges. And it's I can honestly say it's been it's been revolutionary. And it sounds so simple and so obvious, but um, if we can open ourselves up as leaders, to, uh, you know, and, and know that we will be accepted um, by just being open and honest about who we are and and, and you know our experiences, it, you you reap the rewards back. And, and I think it certainly allows for more belonging and connection. Yes. And that whole piece around being more human as a leader, I, I feel for, so passionately is something we need to take forward because in every conversation I've had with every exec group across the world in the last few weeks, what we've been talking about is what are the things that have accelerated for good or what are the things like you've just described in terms of behavior around authenticity and, and just being human? What are those things that we need to intentionally take into the future because they will continue to serve us well versus what are those things perhaps that we do need to, to be more mindful of, of course correcting or saying goodbye to? And I think a couple of those things there are brilliant ways perhaps to end and, and think about in in January as we re-energize for for the calendar year am I painting as a leader the vision for the future the big vision but am I also linking people to the short-term vision that helps us get there our team vision maybe Libby it's been amazing to have you with us as as I predicted we could carry on and dive into your experience for many many more hours but maybe we can have you back again in a few months and, and get some more insights from you as the journey continues I'd love that thank you for having me Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye.
thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com.